The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. What do we mean when we talk about transcending? The word transcendence has been so used in the new age and new thought and human potential communities that it has now been moved into the pop culture. In combination with words and phrases like out-of-body experience, the word transcendence has come to mean something like living above things. But what if we were to learn that being transcendent means living in things? Well, today we're going to find out. We're going to talk about what transcendence is and what it isn't. And then we're going to talk about the process of transcendence. So don't miss this important discussion. You want to be here for it all. You're going to find some interesting secrets here today that uh, you might not hear anywhere else. So, okay, the notion of transcendence has been around for many, many years, but and it became much more popular in the 1920s um, with the theosophy movement, uh, with the transcendentalists. The idea of transcendence came into play with uh, more people beginning to sort of process into another way of thinking other than there's just good and evil and we're evil and and somehow we have to learn to be good and so that we can make it finally to heaven. Um, So what, what transpired as a result of the use of that word is that now it has come to mean something that in my opinion, it didn't mean in the beginning, and it and it also has come to be an escape route for a lot of us. Um, so, okay, transcendence. When we talk about the word, we just immediately think about flying above something. You know, we've transcended it. We've gotten out of it. We're not a part of that anymore. Um, we think about, I think about, at least the, the, the e- uh, eagle's eye view of the world. So the eagle is flying majestically above the earth and doesn't have to involve itself in matters of the earth, except when it's hungry. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's what we forget is that we are living in a human body. The interesting thing about this human body is that, and we'll talk about this some more, um, back in the Garden of Eden, and you've heard me talk about the Garden of Eden before if you've listened very long to this show. Back in the Garden of Eden, um, when uh, Adam and Eve supposedly sinned, actually it, it turns out when you look at the root ang- language that they didn't sin at all. They just uh, uh, began to experience the duality transate, which they were supposed to do. Um, But I'm not going to go into detail about that. You can certainly learn about that in other of the shows if you want to go back into the archives. What I want to say now is that after that, 
after they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and began to live in a duality trance state whereby they saw themselves as separate from the divine, after that happened, uh, Elohim created garments for them to wear because they were naked. Actually, the word naked means they were living still in the subtle body, not in a physical body. And, and, and their body was created after that by, from the dust. Before that, it had been created in the image of the divine, which the image of the divine is formlessness. Um, and then it was created again out of the dust because we lived in the duality trance state. So, but when we look at the word garment, so then after it was created in, in, in out, of, out of the dust, then they found out they were naked and they needed to have garments. And the garments that was chosen is actually the physical body. The word ketheneth uh, means, is the Hebrew word there, and it means a tunic or a long garment covering the body. And I would say they're the subtle body. But uh, it's rooted in kathaf, which means shoulder, shoulder blade, side, slope, or supports. So the body is a support. It's a support system. Our shoulder blades hold up our heads. They, uh, they, they, and they also are, are reminiscent of wings. If you, you know, put your arms in a certain way, the shoulder looks like wings. Well, um, what, what we've learned when we look back at the ancient, ancient languages that were being used back when these texts were written, uh, there's some close proximity between those languages and some of the, uh, some of the other languages that were used at the time. One of those is the South Mandy language. And we find there that the shoulder is interpreted to mean the wing. Uh, and it's true in all of the South Mandy languages, including the Muan, the Dangueta, the Danblo, the Guru, and the Bing. All of those languages translate the shoulder as the wing. So when you think about it that way, the body is actually our wing. The body is our wing. It is how we will walk through this duality trance state. And so when we start trying to get above the body and disparage the body for all of its inadequacies and limitations, what we're doing is we're not flying. We're not transcending. So it's a very interesting uh, paradox that we think about transcending as a way of sort of getting out of the body. Why do we think it that way? Of it that way? Well, in the duality trance state, we suffer. Um, when if we can step back from the duality trance state, we find that there's not suffering in that state. But but the but in the duality trance state, we suffer. And so we've been trying to explain our suffering to ourselves and about ourselves for centuries. We've been trying to uh, ex- explain why it is that we suffer. Why do we suffer? We're, well, because we're sin. We're sinful. Why do we suffer? Well, because we're limited. Well, why do we suffer? Recently, it has become we suffer because we're not living into the law of attraction enough. We're not um, thinking positive enough. We're not uh, um, using our co-creative potential to to create the world that we want enough. But... Uh, I would argue with each one of those uh, states. I think that we uh, that that when we suffer, we can step back from that enough to go, okay, what's going on here? You know, what is this suffering? What is it trying to tell me? What is, you know, people talk in terms of lessons all the time. We say, well, I've got to get my lesson. 
I think that's a fair way of talking about it, but that's not the word I would choose to use most of the time. I think there's an alchemical shift taking place every time I go through some suffering. If I can just sit with it long enough to 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 suss out the the meaning of that suffering, so it's, transcendence doesn't mean avoiding suffering. Unfortunately, for those of us who are looking to bliss out and to live, you know, in this uh, world where there's nothing but bliss, unfortunately, the, there is no that that place ultimately leads back to this place. Why? Because we're not done yet. <laughs> we are in a creative, absolutely co-creative process with Elohim. We are Elohim in form, and we are uh, as form, working with formlessness to create a union of form and formlessness, whereby the body is one with, with its uh, formless spirit. Quantum physics is already proving that or, or really investigating that and creating a lot of be- very believable experiences, uh, experiments excuse me, about um, what it is that's going on in matter. And what we've uh, discovered is that there's quarks and there's neutrinos and there's all kinds of other little bitty, 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 bitty things down there that are separated from each other by vast regions of space of emptiness, and yet they are communicating with each other in some very significant ways. So we actually are formlessness. Um, The body is actually formlessness as well as form. And when we can look at the real um, spiritual meaning behind that scientific reality, what we come to is that uh, form and formlessness are a part and parcel of of the same idea of suffering and not suffering. So in form, we say, if I'm in the body, I'm going to suffer. I'd rather not be in the body then. And so there are many people who are seeking to have out-of-body experiences as a way of, uh, of, of m- moving beyond the body and taking in the, the universal spirit of transcendence. Well... That's, you know, if that's what you want to do, I certainly have no problem with that. I think that does allow us to see that we're formless as well as form. So I, there's, that's a great thing to do. But when we want to sort of do that and only that, we want to stay outside the body. And there are many people who are trying to do that every day without realizing it through something that psychologists and counselors call dissociation where we're living outside the body, uh, literally. Uh, the soul is living up above the head somewhere, and the body's just sort of floating around like a string on a balloon. And it, and it, it doesn't really live. It's not really present with life. It's not really in the moment. It's not even close to the moment. It's not even five minutes ago. It's years ago. Um, so it, 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 people who live in that dissociated state... Um, are, are unable to really be here. And one would say, you could say, well, you know, their head, soul is living up above their head. Wow, that's great. They've transcended. No, they haven't. They, they are depressed, generally speaking, because they're not really fully alive. The soul is not inhabiting the body, and the body is not inhabiting the moments. 
so there's there's they're really sad people doing that uh, I have been dissociated in my life for long long periods of time and and I do know that that feeling of sort of floating around with a balloon uh, like a string under a balloon and it uh, it is not a happy place it is not a safe place you are ultimately vulnerable because you don't know how to experience yourself in form and uh, so it really um, is not the best path and so when people dissociate that's a way of living outside of body when people try to bliss out um, you know just trying to stay in longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and longer periods of meditation uh, so they can feel that beautiful wonderful peaceful stillness and uh, rapture that comes in those uh, moments you know Yes, I I totally agree that um, meditation is a beautiful place to go. I go there several times every day. I, I believe that that is important. But when it becomes life itself, we've lost touch with what we've come here to do. We have come here to put to rest the duality trance state. And are there some people who have done that and are living um in that state of bliss without having to bliss out? Yes, I believe there are. Um, the Buddha talked about bodhisattvas who would come, had come back just to serve, and they were not really attached to the outcomes of their lives, but they were really just serving other people. I think there are those people. Um, I think that there are people who are uh, very, very close, if not have, uh, having arrived to that place where they're living in the body as as soul and living the, with the soul fully embodied and the body fully ensouled. So I, I do think there's, those people are out there, but not everybody's out there. Not everybody has completed their journey. And when we say to ourselves that in this particular lifetime, in this particular carn- incarnation, we should be able to get there and bliss out, we might be missing out on the very important experiences that we could be having as a spiritual being that would help us find our wings, help us learn that the body is also formlessness, help us be present in the moments and really um, pass through, uh, giving a nod to the suffering but passing through it. So uh, when we when we decide that the way it should be is this way, and we strive ever to make that happen, we've already lost touch with it because it's a flow. It has its own energy. It doesn't need us to push the river. It, it carries us. And that process has been ongoing since we were conceived back at the very beginning when Elohim created heaven and earth, uh, however you envision that. So it, it, that process of our um, walking through duality, walking into the pain, walking through behaviors that are foolish and uh, get us in trouble, uh, behaviors that are harmful to other people. All of that is part of the process of us coming to know what it is to live far away from who we actually are. And that's the whole story, that that when we are living uh, into the duality trans status, if it is the only way to live, we are squaring off against ourselves, splitting ourselves down the middle between good and evil, and unable, therefore, to be in the body because the body's bad, unable to be present with life because we might make a mistake or sin, or, or we might uh, live into a role so that we can 
um, survive. We might choose those ways of living because we believe so much in duality, because we believe so much that we are separate from the divine. When we begin to believe that we are the divine, that we are Elohim, living in body form, experiencing and experimenting with duality, uh, we, we begin to see life differently. But that doesn't mean that we will suddenly not have any more problems ever again. Uh, uh, I've heard people talk about, I, I am an enlightened person. And I'm just going to say this up front. I, when somebody says that, it frightens me. <laughs> because when you say that you have already got it all, I wonder what else you're going to miss out on and and also how you're going to mislead other people. Um, so I'm not sure that we know what we've gotten until we get to the other side of each incarnation. Um, but if we do know some of what we've gotten, I'm not sure that at 30, 40, 50, even 60 years of age, I can say for sure that I'm an enlightened being. Am I aware uh, that I'm a, a divine being? Yes, I am aware of that. Am I, um, am I able to access that very frequently? Yes, I really do. But does that mean that I never suffer? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. Um, and I, and I, what I think that uh, my suffering gives me is another opportunity to go deeper, to find more, because the treasure is inside me. And that treasure is my divine self. And I bring it forth Every time, but deep in a in a greater capacity. Every time I uh, pass through some something that we call suffering. Okay, so I want to make it clear that transcendence doesn't mean we don't suffer, and transcendence does not mean living outside the body. Nor does transcendence mean that we live in a state of constant bliss with no other ex- emotion ever happening except bliss. Those are the things transcendence does not mean. Okay, so we're clear on what it does not mean. Uh, And what we have come to understand so far is that the body is a wing. The body is a wing. We might say wings if you need to, but it's a wing. It, It allows us to walk through this process of duality in form uh, so that we can bring formlessness and form together. That is the point. The point isn't to live here in a body and discard the body and say, oh, that was just a body. I don't need that. I mean, you know, I'm going on to another place where I don't have to have a body. So we disparage the body and just toss it aside like it means nothing. And yet this beautiful organism is has a heart that's beating all day every day and all night every night. And I'm breathing in and out all day every day and all night every night. And I'm not making that happen. I'm not making that happen. I'm not even praying that it'll happen. It just happens all by itself. That's just one small piece of evidence that my body is very wise and it knows what it's doing and it is very definitely also Elohim. So when I'm when I am living into my fullest body awareness, I'm also uh putting myself closer and closer to the divine. And that's exactly opposite of what we've been taught about the body, both in the Christian or the Western religion and and in the New Age community and in the New Thought community and the human potential move, uh, community. Very often, we do a lot of doublespeak where the body is, you know, something we need to pay attention to, but it's just that 
thing. It's just a vessel. It's not really important. So we're going to talk some more about this right after we come back. We'll be back for more in just a minute. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. All day long, we sort out clutter in our minds and bodies, all the while trying to find that healing modality that will work for us. Tune in to Intermission with host Patty Campbell. Each week, we'll explore a deeper spirituality and the healing process. Everyone has the capability to heal themselves. Let us help you find your capability in the hopes that you will pay it forward. Intermission Journey to Wellness is broadcast live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. How can we grow both individually and collectively with greater ease and efficiency? Tune in to The Power of Presence with host John Hankey to learn about the relationship between meditation, hypnosis, NLP, Chinese medicine, sports psychology, personal evolution, and more. The show covers practical applications including mindfulness, conscious language, time management, nutrition, fitness, and holistic health to investigate how all of us can achieve our next level of fulfillment, well-being, and vitality. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual education programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a Ph.D., a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you can get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to your effort to learn. This means that in some coursework, you can start at the introductory level and move all the way to the advanced level as you move through your degrees. For example, in the Holistic Theology program, you can take Judaism 1, 2, and 3, with each level offering a greater depth of understanding. Or in our Parapsychology program, you can take Psychic Skills 1, 2, and 3. 
Those are just a few examples. You can get the whole picture by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk to directly to our admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality. Utilizing as your text writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, the coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, as well as to become credentialed to bring their own unique gift to the world. So, IIHT is changing the world one student at a time. Do you want to know more? Go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, that's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Calling it your passport today. So we decided today to talk about transcendence and what we mean by that. And what we've said thus far is what it doesn't mean. Uh, but And we've also discovered that the body is very, very important to transcendence. And, in fact, it is an integral part of what we're doing here. Ultimately, we will have enlightened the body to understand itself as formlessness and spirit. Um, and that then we'll be able to live in body as spirit. Uh, but right now, we're not aware of that. And it's hard for us to think in those terms even, much less to be able to see that as a possibility. But the body is our wing. It's been our wing every incarnation. Every time we come back into a body, we are taken on our wings, and our wings are our transcendence. So the body is so very important. What is it we're transcending? We're transcending the duality trans-state. What's going to get us there? Working with the body, working inside the body, allowing the body to carry us and do what it does. So, okay, let's see if we can even begin to trust that whole process. How wise is the body? I mean, is the body something we can trust to sort of carry us to this to this understanding? Well, the body is an experiencer. The body is, is that which experiences life. The mind experiences life. The emotions experience life. But the body is what how we feel it. So let's say you're depressed. What's going on at, at the heart? Or some people would say at the heart chakra. What's going on? If that in your heart is that you're feeling a physical pain. Uh, people tell me all the time, they come into the, my office, and I certainly have felt it myself, uh, where they say, this, this pain that I feel is physical. And it definitely is. It's, it's not just uh, uh, a mental or, or even spiritual pain. It's, it's a physical pain that we feel. When we're anxious, we feel our bodies take that on and we lift our shoulders up and we, we our, our, our muscles are more tense. We're more apt to have muscle pain or strain muscles. Um, we are uh, fidgety. We're, our bodies keep moving. We pace the floor when we're anxious. This is some way the body has of working with anxiety. The body is all involved in this process. So how does that make the body wise? Well, some people say, well, the body's suffering, so how can that be wise? Let me just get out of this body, and then I'll be wise. No, actually, the body is, is how we are 
discovering that we have a problem, that there is an issue to look at. The body informs us. Not only does it inform us in the ways that we've just described, but it also informs us through illness. So, so I have an illness that um, is a metaphor for something else that's going on with my spirituality, my psychology. And I'm uh, so, for example, um, I have frequent belly aches. Let me just say that. Well. Um, I might also find that in my life I'm frequently complaining. I'm frequently um, worried about stuff. I'm frequently uh, thinking in terms of the most, uh, the worst possible outcomes. Um, people will say, "Well, that anxiety that you had gave you the belly ache." Well, I would say that your belly ache is a symbol for what you're doing in your life. You're belly aching, <laughs> you know. So um, that's just one example of many. Um, uh, there's all, lots of books out there on the topic, but uh, the idea is that the body is trying to give us information. It's trying to wake up the mind. So the body, in that sense, is actually innately smarter than the mind is. <laughs> but we have it just reversed. We have the body is smart, and the bo- I mean, excuse me, the the mind is smart, and the body's just a mule. It just carries us around, and we can beat it into shape, or we can make it go hungry, and we can starve it, and we can, uh, we can, uh, you know, overexercise it, and we can overwork it, and we can do all kinds of things. And what what happens with the body? The heart just keeps beating, and we keep breathing in and out. Now, eventually, we, that takes a toll, and we begin to have high blood pressure, and 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 uh, heart trouble, and you know, problems breathing, and all kinds of things like that. And those then are information that we have pushed too hard. We have gone too far in trying to make the body into that mule we can whip into shape. So, again, the body is trying to give us information. And if we stop doing what we've been doing and start doing something better and more nurturing, nourishing to the body, the body responds and says, okay, you got it. You got my message. I can calm down now. I can, I can, uh, I can not have the heart trouble or the high blood pressure or the other diseases that I have. So the body is very, very wise, and it's trying to get the attention of the mind. The mind is where we believe we're split off from the divine. The mind tells us that the body is split off from the, from the divine. The body, from down through the centuries in Western religion, we've believed that the body is what makes us sin. The body is, is, is uh, you know, it's full of lust, and it's full of anger, and it's, it, it does these terrible things. That's why people talk about the sins of the flesh. They're talking about the body and casting more aspersions on it. So they're saying that that if we just didn't have a body, we wouldn't be sinning. If we were just living in that rarefied region that people call heaven, where where the divine is supposed to live, and we're not allowed to go there till after we die, well, then we could be good people, and we wouldn't commit all these sins because we wouldn't have a body. Um, and that's it, it's it's kind of like we have to kill the body in order to have spirituality. And that same kind of thinking has come into the the new age and the new thought and the human potential movements, whereby we we know that the body is just a vessel. It's temporary. We can throw it away at the end of our lives, and and really, it's really not that important. So it, what 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 it does and what it says is just not that important. And so we we try to stay less involved with the body because the body wants you know things that. Um, maybe it shouldn't want, or maybe it is causing us to be limited. 
in the new age, new thought, and new and human potential movements, it's more it's less about sin. It's not about sin usually, but it, and it's more about um, its limitations. The body is limited. But I, who can transcend? I need to be able to fly. One of the things I say about uh, alcohol and drug addiction is that it belongs to people who want to fly. The people who are addicted not only do they have genetic propensities toward addiction, but they also have an attitude of I shouldn't have to suffer. And once, even once they get clean, for several years after they get clean, they have a hard time uh, dealing with the idea that it, whatever is happening in life that's difficult, whatever challenge has appeared, has, is, is happening to them. Why? You know, this is not supposed to be happening. So when I can stay high, I don't know that it's happening. So it, to me, it's not happening. But when I have to come down to Earth and, and live on planet Earth and, and be a part of my life, well, then I have to face its challenges, and I'd rather not. Let me just go get high again, please. So, you know, this idea of, of, of transcending being I get to fly above life, again, proves to be false. So, all right, so we know a little bit about how wise the body is. How loving is the body? Well, when I think about the many ways that I have mistreated my body in the past, um, one, for one, trying to stay out of it, but, but for two, uh, to, you know, trying to go on extreme diets or trying to um, work it too hard or not paying attention when it's tired and just keeping on, keeping on because I got stuff I got to do. Um, uh, all the ways that I have distorted uh, reality around the body. Well, there's so much going on today about body image issues because we're thinking in terms of body image instead of body. Uh, we're not thinking about what the body needs. We're not thinking about what's nourishing and nurturing to the body. We're thinking about how do other people see my body and how can my body be used as a tool or an object for somebody else's eyes to feast on. And so we objectify our bodies. We make ourselves into objects that other people can use so that we can say, I'm connected to other people. And it's a very false way of living. Uh, and not only that, but extremely dangerous. And uh, so there, there's many people who will not let themselves eat more than, you know, a couple of cups of water a day, uh, suffering with anorexia, who are endangering their lives in the name of being an object that somebody else will like better. Uh, and that gives that somebody else all the power over that person's life, which means that person is really not inhabiting their body. Um, and so, what that that isn't love for the body, nor you know can we experience love in that way, because even if somebody were to love us from that perspective, we would we would say it's not really love because we can't we're not thin enough yet. Um, so that's that's an extreme distortion, but there are degrees of that distortion that happen throughout our society and every individual here on the, uh, in the Western world in particular because we're so busy thinking about how we look that we're not thinking about who we are and how we are. So, okay, but the body, during all of that, the body is doing the best it can to keep us here. The body is uh, creating cells all the time. The body is breathing in and out all the time. The heart is beating all the time. The body keeps on doing what it's supposed to do to keep us here so that we still have a shot at um, understanding what we came here to get. Uh, so the body is a very, very loving, very tender. It wants us to sleep. 
It wants us. It gets hungry, so we'll eat. It 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 tells us how to take care of ourselves, and that's a very loving. There's no better loving gesture than to help somebody know how to take care of themselves. The thing that we call help, where we're trying to help somebody and we're trying to fix their lives, we're trying to get them to see and call in the name of help, isn't really help. The more helpful thing is for us to be able to say, to be able to give to that person an opportunity to see, hear, touch, taste, and smell themselves. And the way we do that is just hold up a mirror. Can you see what I see? And um, gently offer them back themselves. That's what the body's doing to us all the time. It's 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 allowing us to see through its pain, through its um, through its um, lightness of being, it through its energy, through its lack of energy, through all of those ways. It is trying to tell us who we are and what we need to do to get to who we are. And so that's there is nothing more loving than that. There is absolutely nothing more loving than that. So the body loves us. It loves the mind. It loves the soul. It loves the spirit. The body loves us. And so it's very important for us to really be able to live in that love. How spiritual is the body? Well, think about the last time you got really scared. What happened? The hackles on the back of your neck rose. That's what we talk about, right? The body is is, is involved in our emotions, and our emotions are very close to the spiritual world. Very, very close, if not crossing over into it. So our emotions are very, very important, and our body can tell us about our emotions. I have people that are so out of touch with their emotions, the only thing they know about is their actions. Um, and they're, they're living a robotic-like life so that they, they can't really um, experience life, and they feel just this kind of dullness about everything. Uh, but... In the spiritual world, the body can tell us when there's joy, when there's joy, because the bo- just like the body feels a physical sensation of pain when we're suffering, when we're depressed, or in deep sorrow, the body also can feel that joy when we feel joy, when we feel bliss, the body feels it. When we're meditating, the body feels it. The body begins to relax. The body, and that's what we're, one of the first things people do when they're trying to get some, teach somebody about meditation is they try to help them understand what it's doing to the body. It's the body relaxing. And, of course, studies have been done that show that meditation has a huge impact on our physical health. So uh, there's been times in my meditation, and perhaps in yours as well, where I just felt like somebody's hands were on my shoulders going, don't move, don't move. And it's just this very quiet, gentle, and you just can't move. You you just can't move. It's kind of a, a, a blissful paralysis. Uh, you could move if you really, you know, tried, but it's it it's like the utter stillness. And yet, the heart is beating, the the brain is thinking, the um, muscles are doing what they do, the breath is breathing in and out. These are the things that are still going on in the body, even as the body is experiencing spirit. So the body is extremely spiritual. It, 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 can, it experiences spirituality for us, as us. So this, this idea of uniting body and soul is the ultimate in transcendence. The, the idea of uniting body with soul with spirit, 
is the ultimate in transcendence. It's not getting away from the body that is the ultimate in transcendence. It's not getting away from life that's the ultimate in transcendence. It's not living in a cave somewhere in bliss that is the ultimate in transcendence. It's living in life, in the body, as a spirit that is the ultimate in transcendence. So, the, the, the idea is that we're, we're looking for union. We're looking for wholeness of all the different aspects of who we are. And we'll talk, talk about that as well as how to claim this when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned for more. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you moving at the speed of everything else? If you are, then you probably don't seem to have the time to connect to your inner spirit, voice, and power. Haven't you wanted to connect with yourself again? Tune in to Intuitively Speaking with host Shauna Gulbrand. You'll be empowered to get reacquainted with who you are. You can find your sense of purpose, learn, and heal with Shauna. This awareness can affect your life and those around you. Intuitively Speaking airs live on Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. In unified consciousness, we are all part of the spectrum. As individuals interconnected, there is no time, no space, just the all. Listen for Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet, featuring hosts Joan Newcomb and Janet Barrett. Each week, Joan and Janet will provide new focal points for you to resonate with and explore. Their passion is to support your evolutionary growth and change. Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet is broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the program Inside Out, our outsides match our insides. Join host Beth Green along with co-host James Maynard for an insightful weekly journey that lets us all be real with no boundaries. We'll discuss current events, interview amazing guests, challenge old ideas, and see ourselves and our world more clearly. It's about you as much as us. So you're invited to call in, write in, and most of all, tune in. Listen for Inside Out, live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the final segment of the Authentic Living Show today. We've talked so far about what transcendence is not. 
and we've said that the body is our wing through the duality trance state, which is the place we're living in on planet Earth until we get to the other side of it. And we are we have said that uh, in the second segment we talked about how wise the body is and how loving the body is and how spiritual the body is. So now I want to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the sort of process of uniting body with mind um, or with soul. We, okay, so when I use the word spirit and soul, to me, those are the same things. Those are synonymous terms. There are people who divide that up even further and say that the, the soul is, is an aspect of just our heightened existence, our passionate existence, and the, and the spirit is something else entirely. I don't, I don't do that. I think that the, the soul and the spirit are the same thing. Um, you get to decide what you believe. But the, if the whole idea is union, we're putting things together, not taking them apart. So anytime you hear somebody say you have to overcome something, you have to overcome your ego, you have to overcome this uh, lower self, you have to overcome your sin, you have to overcome you know, uh, the body and its appetites. Anytime you think in terms of overcoming, you're also thinking very often in terms of splitting off. And we're going to talk some more about overcoming next week. Uh, but for right now, I want to talk just that whole idea about splitting off. So we don't want to split off from various aspects of ourselves. We want them united. So, we, you know, we would say, well, what if I do bad things? I don't want that brought into the mix. Well, yeah, you do. You want to be able to embrace that that you have done or will do and 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 understand it and um be able to get to the bottom of why, why, like for example, if I make a foolish choice uh, and I get myself in trouble, what is that about? What's going on there? What's underneath that? So it's a lot about traversing the inner terrain. It's a lot about being able to walk around inside yourself and name things that are in there and be able to just go, oh, okay, I did that because da-da-da-da-da. Very often I have clients who walk into my office and they and I ask them, you know, during the assessment process, I'll ask them, you know, do you, you know, what is that about? What, do you, what is that about? Can you tell me? I don't know. The answer is, I don't know. Very commonly, the answer about anything inside of myself is, I don't know. But if I ask them about their husband, their wife, their son, their daughter, their mother, their father, they, oh, they know. They know about them. They can tell you exactly what's going on inside of them. And unfortunately, that's just exactly how we have it. And and part of the reason is we haven't been giving ourselves permission to claim what is ours. We haven't been giving ourselves permission to say, this is mine and I'm going to love it. I'm going to cherish it. I'm going to take really good care of it. Because when we, we've been taught down through the centuries that when we think like that, we're selfish. We're not only selfish, but we're arrogant. So we're self-centered, arrogant expletive expletives (laughs) we are people who are not very likable if we're going to just own what's ours but the truth is if i'm a divine being inside all this stuff then i need to know that i need to own that and even if i'm not a divine being how am i supposed to live into a life using the tools that i am without even knowing what they are so from every possible angle, understanding and knowing and claiming as, our, as ourselves and then taking responsibility for every aspect of our being 
is very, very important and very, very healthy. But the body is one of those things we can definitely claim as our turf. We have not been taught to like the body. We have not been taught to cherish the body. We've been taught to reject the body. Down from centuries immemorial, where the body was considered to be the seat of our sins, all the way to now, to where body is just about image. Um, we, we have disclaimed the body and separated ourselves from it, mentally separated ourselves from it. So claiming the body as your turf, this is mine. This is where I walk. This is where I, this is my tone of voice. This is how, put your hand on your chest and feel the vibrations when you talk. Um, know yourself. Put your hand on your knees and feel the warmth start to spin through your knees. Um, be able to touch your toes and be able to just own that part of your body. You know, do the, when you're doing yoga, if you do yoga, one of the things that I recommend when you're doing yoga is just to really claim every part of your body that you touch or stretch, to be present in that body part while you're working with it so that you can really feel yourself there and you begin to claim that body part that and, and it begins to be a part of who you are. When someone is giving you a hug, Really let yourself feel what that feels like to be hugged by that person. Just settle into it and really let your body feel it. That's you claiming your body and its experiences. Um, when, when, uh, when you're walking, look down at your own feet and look at the majesty of your, your pace and your rhythm and, and get into that. Um, when you're dancing, feel that rhythm running through your body. That's spirit running through your body. Uh, claim that as yours and take responsibility for it. And the more you sort of get into a relationship with your body where your mind is relating with your body, the more you accept that this is yours, this belongs to you, it is absolutely yours in every metaphorical and physical, mental and emotional way it can be yours. It, it is informative, it is loving, it is spiritual, and it is yours all yours whereas nobody else is yours you might be one with them but they don't belong to you you can't take responsibility for them that's on them just like a cell in the body can't can't go over to another cell in the body and be that cell or fix that cell you know make that cell better you one cell one cell in the body takes care of what's going on inside that cell and that process, because we're one, does impact the others. So what I can work on is me. I can work on what goes on inside me. I can um, do my meditation on that. I can um, let go of striving on that and struggling on that and just see what spirit will bring into pre- my awareness, see what soul will bring into me so that I can know better what's going on. I can dream about it and get the metaphors and play with them so that I understand what the mind is trying to tell me through the body, through the sleep of the body. Um, I, can, I can do all that as a way of helping me uh, come to terms with what's really mine. And, and if I do that, I'm going to be able to walk more confident, more full of myself, more full of the truth of beingness, more full of life energy itself. So I can claim that, that turf. I also need to claim the mind as a kind of language of the body and as a kind of language of the soul. The mind is the middle ground where the soul impacts the mind and the body impacts the mind 
and the the mind is that middle ground. So when we, when people talk about thoughts being what what creates things, that's why we came up with that idea is because we somewhere deep down inside we know that the mind is the mediator, um, and 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 but it isn't necessarily the attractor. The soul is the attractor, but so okay if the if the mind is a mediator between the soul and the body, then what can happen then is the mind can be able to experience both simultaneously, and there is union. So if I claim my mind, then I'm going to be able to speak the language of both the body and the soul. Now, what do I mean by claiming my mind? I mean not splitting it off, not repressing stuff that comes into awareness, not thinking, oh, I shouldn't think that. Oh, gosh, that's a horrible thought. Don't think that. No, go ahead and be present with that thought. And, and and what what happens, what's so amazing to me is I experience that, and you may have had the same experience, that when I just am present with some really hostile thought in me, and they're in all of us, when I'm just present with that, what happens is I, I begin to have this peace, and I begin to even enjoy the thought a little bit, and it begins to, to kind of dialogue with me, and I begin to um, to just let it, be what it is, kind of like squeezing juice out of an orange. It just gives me the juice of life because there's energy in every thought. There's energy in every thought. So that energy is what I'm looking for. The thought itself, well, you know, so what? It's a thought. It comes, it goes, so what? But it, but it, but it has energy in it, and I want that energy. I want to drink it. I want to take that energy into my body and into my soul and let it inform me of its power because many of our thoughts just come from distortions and, and the distortions are because we've repressed a feeling or we've, we've tried to hard to be something we're not or something like that. Those, those thoughts are just um, misfirings of, of, of the distortion that we create from repressing. And so if we say, oh my gosh, I've had that thought, oh, this makes me a terrible person. Now what we've done is we've identified with the thought. Or if we say, I should transcend that thought, I should just get above that thought, I should never have those thoughts, all I'm doing is repressing them. So, you know, we're not going to be able to forever split ourselves off from these things. They're going to come back and and inform us again. And, and, And if we can just claim the mind and say, okay, that's my thought. I thought that thought. Um, and I've got some feelings associated with it. And I want to I want to get grounded in that. I want to bring that down to what is the energy coming from that thought? What is the energy that pushed that thought into my awareness? What is that? And and I want to be present with it so that it can give me all that it's supposed to give me. So claiming the mind then allows the mind to be a language, a voice for the body and the soul. Then then it's not somebody else's thoughts in my head. It's my own thoughts. And I can face them and deal with them and not be frightened of them. Um, most of the time, we are very frightened of our own thoughts and our own feelings. We don't want to feel what we call negative feelings. And we don't want to feel what we call negative thoughts. And I'm here to tell you, as I have before and will again, there's no such thing as a negative feeling and there's no such thing as a negative thought. They're all just thoughts. They're all just feelings, and they don't have value in terms of negative or positive. They're only just things that arise to the surface, and they're meant to give us information. So we we send them away and say, oh, I can't have that negative thought. I can't have that negative feeling, especially if I believe in the law of attraction as we've been taught it 
not as it really is, but as we've been taught it, which is that I'm attracting negative things into my life by thinking these negative thoughts. Oh my gosh, can't have that. So we, we don't realize that the thought is just an energy and what we need to get is the energy. The, the emotion is also an energy that intends to give us a message about our lives. So we, this, this way of claiming the mind and the body is a way of coming to life. And coming to life is the opposite of death. And transcendence is all about not dying. Transcendence is all about not dying. Not dying while we're alive. Not dying to the energies inside of us while we're trying to repress them. Not dying to the body so we send it away into some place we don't even connect with. Not dying to to the essence and the meaning and the power and the potency and the poignancy of life. Not dying to the experience of suffering because it has something to give us. That's what transcendence is about. Transcendence is about. It's about not dying. So coming to life is transcendence. And, and coming to life in the body, coming to life as a soul in the body, in the mind, is transcendence. And if we can stay with that, if we could just stay, experiment with that, I would encourage you, experiment with that for just a week. Every day, try to stay in touch with your body. Try to walk around in the inner turf of your emotions. Try to let your thoughts be what they are and just take the energy from them. See if you can allow yourself to come to life. Anything that says, don't live into that, let's live into this, it's about death. Anything that says, let's own what is inside of me, that's about life. That's transcendence. All right, so we're going to come back next week, and we're going to talk about overcoming and what that means and what it doesn't mean. And uh, so you want to be here for that. This conversation is an interesting conversation, and lots of people are dialoguing about it in the back rooms. So you want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.